Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, obviously it's an honor to be here with you when Pastor Tim asked me to teach. um, I really wanted to bring the message about the power of the tongue, the power of our words, and Honestly, he gave me two dates, and I selected November 9th randomly. Of course, there's nothing random. And I feel like the power of the tongue, the power of our words is very significant, especially following a day such as yesterday and today. So I want to start, I want to open in prayer and um, just invite the power of the Holy Spirit in this place with us. God, we are so thankful for you for your will and your ways. And God, I pray right now that this message would not be a message about politics. This is not a message that, even though it's timely, it's not about that. So we're just going to call the elephant out of the room and say, take an exit. We are talking about our creative design that you have placed inside of us. And I pray in Jesus' name that we would not look at this message as, oh, this would be good for someone else that we would be very introspective, we would take this upon ourselves, and we would allow you to transform us from the inside out. God, thank you for, for what you're doing in us right now, what you've done to get us to this place, and what you're going to do with us. God, we thank you for our future, that we have a hope and a future in you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, so the message, the power of your words. We have power in our words to keep us stuck in life or to propel propel us forward. One of the things that I've noticed in spiritual warfare, um, if we have success in it, people who walk out of deliverance or inner healing with um, major levels of success is they get really good at what's coming out of their mouths. And so I was trying to dissect this and go, okay, those people are very positive with their words. And then there's other people who might leave a deliverance session and they're very negative. They've got negative self-talk or they're negative about other people. So the power of life and death is in the tongue. We find that in, it's one of my favorite scriptures, Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. See, we were designed by God to have creativity, dominion, Rule, invention, and ingenuity in our words. And what we say steers our lives. Well, how does it do that? How does, how does what we say steer our lives? Well, oftentimes what we speak, it's going to go back into the brain and change the way we think. So, how many times do we speak, not out of a place of thinking, that, that whole thing, I I spoke before I was thinking. Yeah, we should think before we speak. But we speak out of emotion. We speak out of our desires as opposed to thinking first. But what we say steers our lives. So it influences our minds. But it also gives over authority in the spiritual realm. 
So if I'm speaking positive things, if I'm declaring God's promises over my life, that is bringing authority under God. And with that authority under God, he is then implementing things in our lives on our behalf. But on the opposite side, if we're speaking negatively, we're giving over that rule and that power, that authority to the evil one. James 3 Verses 3 through 4 says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Little rudders steer large ships. So the tongue, being a very small member, steers our lives. Very small member steers the entirety of our lives. So back to Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has power of life and death. Or in other words, what we say has the ability to build or to destroy. So if God gave us this dominion and this creativity, where do we find that? Well, I love it. We're going to go to Genesis. We're going to go to the beginning. God created. In Genesis 1, starting in verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number or multiply Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over it. He continues on the things that were to rule and subdue. And he, at the very end of that passage says, and it was so. So God is illustrating this creativity that he put into us. We're created in his image. God called things into existence. And he put that same creative power into us. And he relinquishes a very important task to Adam. So we're going to compare this first passage into Genesis 2, in verse 19 and 20. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all of the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. So God gave Adam a creative, inventive, purposeful project to take over. He was the boss. It's not like Adam was sat down by God and God said, okay, name that one cat, name that one dog, name that one. He didn't tell Adam what to name them. He relinquished it, the project, to Adam so that Adam had that creativity. And what he called it, that was its name. Now, that's significant because they're two different words. The word, the original word used means to proclaim, announce, or declare. So when he declared something over the animal, this creative power, that was its name. The word for name means name, reputation, or how a thing will be known. Or this could be interpreted as identity or character. So that same kind of creative power is in our words. We have the ability, and that's why we see 
When we speak over a person, we have the ability to encourage and bless and build up. But we also have the ability to tear down. Will we build or will we destroy? There's power in what we say over ourselves and over others. So what are we doing with our words? Take this brick, for example. This brick, by design, is building material. It's a lot heavier than I thought it was going to be. I won't throw it at you. Take a step back. <laughs> this brick was created to be used in building, well, buildings. But if I were to misuse this, it becomes a weapon in my hands. Our words are very similar. They were, by design, meant to build. But they also have the ability to tear down or destroy. Do you remember the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? I hate that saying. That is, especially when you're teaching like this. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It should sound more like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will cut me the deepest and last the longest. So I want to present a problem. I know that sounds like really hopeful, like, yay, great, great message. <laughs> so if there's power of life and death in our words, power to build or destroy, we need to address a pretty glaring problem. This bad news does have a solution. And before I actually address the problem, I want to read to you something out of Psalms. There's four, excuse me, Proverbs. There's four Proverbs here. Proverbs 13, 3. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. And Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. So here's the problem. I thought that I could just tame my tongue. I'm going to control it by willpower, sheer willpower, and I'm just going to speak life. But straight out of scripture, James 3, no one can tame the tongue. Oh, come on. No, I, I can do it. That was, though, I'm an I can, I do person. But it's a restless evil. No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. That's bad news. That's our problem right there. So we've got this great thing, a great building tool to build others up. But we can't even tame our tongue. Now, these proverbs are talking about, oh, okay, so we're going to preserve our lives. We're going to not look like fools because we're staying silent. We're going to have a fountain of life coming out of us. But to be honest, as much as I want to be a good person, I, I really don't want to hurt other people. So how come out of the same spring can I curse people and try to bless God? I'll line up, I'll throw myself under the bus, be the first one to do it. 
It is so hard. So why? Why? And what do we do about that? Why is negative stuff coming out of me? But why is positive stuff coming out as well? If I can't tame my tongue, then what am I supposed to do? Give me some good news, Amelie. Take a look at Matthew 12. We're going to find a couple of key phrases. Starting in verse 33. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. So the first phrase, you will know a tree by its fruit. If I walk up to a tree and I pluck some fruit off of it, and it's an apple, it's pretty simple. It's an apple tree. Peach, apricot. I mean, it's a very simple analogy. But if I pluck that bad fruit, and I'm seeing that there's bad fruit on it, see, what we tend to do in our lives, because see, the fruit is coming out of our mouth. It's the fruit of our lives. What is coming out of our mouth is the fruit. So if I'm noticing bad fruit coming out of my mouth, rather than trying to pluck all the bad fruit out of my life, I actually need to go to the root. So it's not about fruit management. It's about root management. Cutting it out at the root. Root equals fruit. One of the ways that you can do this is certainly through prayer or through accountability. Um, I like to just, whichever way you do it, brutal honesty and transparency. So the fruit is going to help you identify what's going on inside of you. What's coming out of your mouth? That will help you identify a root inside of you. Have you ever been surprised by what comes out of your mouth? Okay, good. I got some Snickers. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you're actually surprised. Like sometimes something comes out of your mouth and you're like, oh, no, I know where that came from. Sometimes I've, I've gone, whoa, take that back. It's actually kind of interesting in our family. My girls are 10 and 12. And it's, it's this culture in our family. If I say something negative, maybe about myself, I'll, I'll use myself as, as an example. They'll stop and go, mom, break that curse in Jesus name. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I got these little accountability partners. It's awesome. So sometimes when we're surprised by what comes out of our mouth, we can be ashamed by it. But what we should do is we should take the fruit and get after the root before it gets any further. One of the, probably the most um, quoted scriptures is Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yay, good fruit. But let's back up a couple verses. This is the one that gets ignored a little bit. 
Galatians 19, so starting in verse 19, the acts of the flesh or the fruit of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Whoa. In my notes, I even wrote, yuck. Yicky. The Galatians 5 passage helps us to be able to identify two categories, two very separate categories of fruit. What is coming out of our mouth? What is coming out in our acts? This will take a considerable amount of honesty and work. Because some of those things... That's hard to admit to ourselves, let alone another person, right? So, the next phrase that I want to focus on from that Matthew 12 um, passage is found in verse 34. So, if the power of life and death is in the tongue, we're seeing the fruit of it, how do we fix it? The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So the mouth is a transmitter. See if I can draw a megaphone. Not bad. So the mouth is going to transmit what is in the heart. The the heart is a container. The mouth is the transmitter. What is in our heart comes out of our mouth, and the mouth gives it power. First of all, what is the heart? The heart is the place of the soul. The soul, we know from our study in Spiritual Warfare 1.0, the mind, the will, and the emotions what we think, what we desire, what we feel. Now I want to take a look at this Matthew 12, 34 verse in a different translation. For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So what we are transmitting, what we are giving power to by speaking comes not only from the heart, but it actually is coming from what we fill our heart with. And I gave you blank paper so you could draw pictures. You didn't get lined paper. You got blank paper. That's what that was for. (laughs) So, if what is coming out of our mouth is actually coming from what we are putting into it, we must follow the instructions we find in Proverbs 4, starting in verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. 
for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. If we are to guard our hearts or our souls, we must guard our mind, our will, and our emotions. Because everything we do flows from that. So what's filling our heart? What's filling what we're thinking about? What we desire? What our our appetite is? Do we have an appetite for the things of the flesh? The things of the world? Are we feeding that? Or do we have an appetite for the things of the spirit? And then our emotions. What are we feeding our emotions with? Do we feed on the news media? Fear-mongering? Bad news? Dramatic? I don't even need to go. Uh, there are some stupid shows on TV. Like, I don't like drama. So why would I watch somebody's non-reality TV show drama? What? Out of control? What am I feeding my emotions, my thoughts, my desires? What am I exposing myself to? The two, the two main areas, and you're going to recognize these, the three M's from Spiritual Warfare 1.0. Media, mentors, and memorabilia. I'm not talking about memorabilia right now. Media and mentors. So people, friends, coworkers, family, any person that we give influence to. So we allow to have influence in our lives. Or media, social media, books, magazines, music, music. I'm going to repeat that one. Some of, some of us listen to the worst stuff. And, and we think it's okay. We're, I'm good, I'm good. But do you ever wake up with those songs in your head? I'm going to give you a really dumb example. There's a country song. I don't even remember what it's called. No, I think I do because I think it's what I'm about to say. Anyway. The guy says, it's, this, it's, it's supposed to be a love story to how amazing his girl is, whatever. And he says, but I'm hard to love, hard to love. You ever notice yourself singing those lyrics? And I'm like, I'm listening to it going, no, 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 I'm not. I break that curse in Jesus' name. It kind of looked like that too. When we're singing those things, I mean, think about how powerful worship is. We're singing scripture over ourselves. We're singing powerful prophetic declarations over ourselves. Music has incredible power. So I would be, I would caution, I would caution you. There's some stuff that comes on the radio and I have to turn it. Like the, the lyrics, they hurt my, they make my ears bleed. But these things can be positive too. I'm not, I'm not bashing all this stuff. There's really good influential stuff out there. You just have to look for it. So we need to ask ourselves, is what I am allowing into my heart, my mind, my will, and my emotions, leading me to be the man or woman of God that he has called me to be? Is this matching up to what he has called me to be? And then what can I be doing to guard my heart? We need to guard our hearts from anything evil getting into the container These are all pretty colors, but it's okay. 
So if, if I am polluting what's in my heart because I've got different streams of influence, that's going to come out and be transmitted. I kind of changed color. So if we're allowing the streams of influence to be polluted, those things will come out. I'm not perfect by any means, but I certainly want to be the type of person who has a clean, pure heart before the Lord so that what comes out of me is going to be edifying. It's going to be building and, and giving life to people. We do, we call these streams of influence because what is in you will come out of you. Some of us may need a reality check. We may need to evaluate some of the things in our lives and need to change some things. So I'm going to run you briefly through the stages of change. This is a really cool teaching in and of itself, but I'm going to go really quick. So the first stage of change is unconsciously incompetent. You're stupid and you don't know it. That's what that means. How do, I'll point the finger. I'm stupid and I don't know it. So I'm unaware that I'm ignorant in some area. Then you hear something like a teaching like this, or you know, some you're reading something and you learn, you go, Oh, I'm really bad at that. All of a sudden, you're in the next phase, you've become consciously incompetent. You are aware that you are not good in that area. That's like a come to Jesus meeting. That's like a Jesus gets your heart and says, Oh, you need to change this. Now, go ahead and go to the third one. Consciously competent. You will flip back and forth between, uh, well, sh it's backwards. The first one and the third one, consciously incompetent and consciously, consciously incompetent and consciously competent. You'll flip back and forth. So while you're changing, you're going, oh, I'm going to bite my tongue. Oh, I'm not going to say that. Oh, I wanted to, but I'm not going to. Oh, I'm glad I let that pass. Sometimes it'll slip and you start to get better. So you, you will go back and forth between those two. And then the fourth phase is unconsciously competent. It becomes a habit. It becomes your DNA. It becomes transformation from the inside out. And then there's technically a fifth one. And that's just repeat. Because when God reveals something new to you, you start the process all over again of change. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We need to feed our mind, that part of our heart, that part of our soul, off of the word of God. We can't be feeding off of the world because that is patterning ourselves after the world. That's doing the opposite of what this scripture just told us not to do. And change takes time. And that means start filling up on the right stuff. Romans 8, 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. It's a whole lot of mind set on something. So it's intentional. It's a conscious pursuit of God. It is not haphazard. We're not just waiting for something to happen. It is pursuing 
after God intentionally. This is not taking the path of least resistance, because if you do that, you'll find yourself in a place of boredom, offense, hurt, pain, and loss. And that just leads to more sin. The mind, being a major component of the soul, needs to feed on the written word of the Lord. So studying the word of God means to be having a mind set on the things of the spirit. For what goes into you will come out of you. But what's cool is because we're feeding on the right stuff, what comes out of you is of life and the spirit and not the things of the world. So, taming the tongue. We're back to that again. How do we control the tongue? If our words are so powerful and we want to stop being negative, stop hurting ourselves and other people, how do we control our words? We control what goes into our heart. Back to Proverbs 4. This is not a matter of that willpower I joked about earlier. Because remember, we can't tame the tongue. It's a matter of being responsible with what goes into our heart. And we are responsible for what goes into our heart. Yes, I know we live in the world. We're exposed to these things. But I can turn the TV off. I can do other activities. I don't have to go watch certain movies. There's also this word. It's a scary word to a lot of people. Boundaries. With people, there are some people in our lives that are negative, And sometimes it's as simple as saying, don't talk like that in front of me. But how often as good little Christians are we like, oh, I'll just sit here and take it. No, we have the right to say, please don't talk like that in front of me. That's a boundary. If they hop your boundary, you can just set the boundary a little further, build the wall a little higher. There's a gate in there. They can come and go if they... Follow the rules. (laughs) Whole other study. Whole other study. And a great book by Dr. Henry Cloud. So, what do we do? We evaluate the fruit of our lives with brutal honesty. What is coming out of our mouths? Spouses, if you want to be each other's accountability partners, cool. Just please don't nag each other. Going, eh, eh. Don't, Don't do that but you can be each other's accountability partners. What's coming out? Is it of the flesh or of the spirit? Back into Galatians 5. Which category is it in? Look for the natural byproduct, the natural flow of what is coming out of you. Because a lot of times we'll fool ourselves and go, oh, I'm kind, oh, I'm nice, oh, I'm giving, oh, I'm patient. I'm making myself be patient right now. No, that's not a natural byproduct. Yes, you're, you're trying to be that, but, but what is the natural flow of what's coming out of you? And we all have bad days. Please don't, there's no condemnation there. Number two, we start guarding our heart. We need to make changes with the influences into our lives, people and media. And then number three, look for opportunities to speak life. Whether it's don't, don't go after the negative person right now. Go after, ask God. God, who can I encourage today? Who can I pray with today? Who could I give a positive and encouraging word to today? Ask him. He'll tell you. 
Look for those opportunities. And then fill your heart. Three very powerful things to fill your heart with. Who does God say that he is? Who does God say that you are? And who does God say that others are? If you know those three things, talk about powerful prayers. Talk about encouraging words. Talk about being able to see people through lenses and eyes that God has given you to see for those people. Talk about becoming a builder. We find these in scripture. We're looking for attributes of God, his nature, his character. One of the best ways that I've found, especially when I'm praying over myself or over the church or over people, um, are the names of God. And I don't know. We've got three of these. We've got names of God, names of Jesus, and names of the Holy Spirit. These are really cool. And they'll show you the name, the reference, what it means, the application for your life, and other comments or commentaries on it. I'm going to give you a few examples. These are not exhaustive. But for God the Father, God Most High, Creator, I Am, the God who sees me. I think sometimes we need to remember that. God sees us. God sees you. He sees what you're going through. You're not alone. Don't know who that was for, but whoever that's for. The Lord of armies. The Lord my companion. And God my righteousness. Jesus. Yeshua. Bread of life. The way, the truth, and the life. He's the word. He's faithful and true. He is the Prince of Peace. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Savior, Redeemer, author and finisher of our faith, and the door. Again, not exhaustive, but how powerful. You start memorizing those names and in worship, you're calling on God, my Savior, my Redeemer. God, you are the author and finisher of my faith. You started this work in me. You will finish this work in me. Amen? And the Holy Spirit is the advocate, the helper, the comforter, spirit of might, spirit of life, spirit of wisdom, spirit of grace, dot, 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 to be continued. The great news is that we have the ability to be a blessing. This doesn't need to be a threat. This can be the first building block to something that God's going to use you to build. With your words. We have the ability to be a blessing to others. I think a lot of us are sitting in this room going, okay, I can bless others. What about you? What about being able to bless yourself? And you go, oh, I don't want to be selfish. Whoa, 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 whoa. God said he created mankind and it was very good. That means what he has put in us, he declares to be good. And yet, we condemn ourselves all the time. But we need to be speaking these blessings over ourselves. The kingdom of God begins inside of us. We're always looking at how we can be building others. 
But what does God want to do inside of you? The reason I titled this tonight, The Power of Your Words, not the power of our words, not the power of the tongue. You have the power in you to speak over yourself. But let's back up for a second. Let's deal with some real issues, okay? We're kind of going to get in the middle here for a second. There's, there might be some things in your heart right now that are producing bad fruit. You're seeing those words and those, those actions coming out. So what do we do? I'm going to try to control my words, right? That's kind of our knee-jerk reaction. Okay, I'll just stop. What we need to be doing is controlling what goes into our heart, right? Great advice. But right now, I'm so hurting. What do I do? Brutal honesty. Start with repentance and start with forgiveness. Guys, this is going to take work. I'm not going to mince words on it. This is work, but it is so worth it. When you walk out of those snares and those traps that the enemy lays for you, and you walk in freedom. So repentance for secret or pet sins. That, that little pet you keep, you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that. No, I'm not letting that one go. How can you identify this? If I called on you right now and asked you to come up here and confess your sins, what would be the things you wouldn't want any of us to know? I'm not going to do that to anybody. But you can identify it in your heart. What do you not want anybody to know? And I'm not talking about things that have happened to you. I'm not talking about shame. I'm not talking about that kind of trauma. I'm talking about those secret pet sins you feel like you can't get away from. Now, key to repentance. We all, we all know it. it. It means turn away. No, it actually comes from the root word metanua, which means to change your mind. So when I'm repenting, yeah, when I change my mind about that thing, there is an action of turning away. But I'm changing my mind. I no longer love my sin. I hate my sin. It disgusts me. I don't even want to be a part of it. So God, if I'm repenting, I'm changing my mind. That's a new way to look at that. So here's some practical application to repent. First step, confession. God, I have the sin of fill in the blank. God, I confess it before you. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against my spouse. Apologize for it. That is part of repentance. But then there's some big words I want you to use. Renounce and reject. God, I confess this before you. I apologize for it. Forgive me. Now I renounce and reject those sins and their power over me. And I come out of agreement with them. And now, God, he's already given you the power to walk away from it. God, I, I accept the empowerment of the spirit, the live of the living God that's already in you to walk away from that sin. And then forgiveness. Forgiveness, the seed of forgiveness will plant if it gets, if you don't start working through it. And I'm not talking about brushing things under the rug and all of a sudden you have lumpy carpet. I'm talking about if, if, if that seed of offense grows, you're going to have a root of bitterness. And if you have a root of bitterness, you will be offended by everyone. 
you, you will see offense everywhere. The littlest things will set you off. You'll begin distrusting people. So if you feel like you have that, you have to take that bitterness before the Lord and say, God, this person hurt me. I felt wronged. Come in for a transformation ministry session if you feel like you need help. But forgiveness can be done and is done a lot of times on your own. You have to let him into your heart. God, this hurt me. got to choose to let that debt go against me. And then don't fight fire with fire. If somebody's hurt you, don't fight fire with more fire. Don't try to hurt them back. God downloaded something to me because I've, I've got a situation where, I've got a situation um, <laughs> where somebody's hurting me and my mind and my heart is, I feel like I'm taking all those darts and I'm like, God, where's my armor? And he said to me, he said, pray this over yourself. Pray, bathe the wounds from the fiery darts in the living water of the spirit. So I did. I went, oh, God, that's, God, that's good. A little mic drop for that. Thank you. God, bathe the wounds of those fiery darts in the living water of your spirit. And the peace that passes all understanding. And then God, bless the person. Bless the person who is hurting me. Draw them to you. Pray for the person. Don't fight fire with fire. Fight fire with water. Extinguish the fiery darts with the water of the Spirit. When you fill your heart with the things of God, his word, his spirit, his ways, his instructions, we're, we're like a, a satellite receiving dish. So if we're filling ourselves up with those things, it's like we've just tuned ourselves to the right channel, to the right frequency. When you do that, you pray so powerfully in accordance to his will. You can bless people and you can be available to minister in a spirit of being a builder. Ask yourself, am I being a builder or am I being a destroyer? Again, I said some brutal honesty here and a reality check. Will I continue to tear others down and myself down or will I become a builder in the kingdom? This is really cool because um, I think a lot of times we feel like when we're going to share Jesus with people or share the kingdom with people, we've got to have like the right thing to say. And so it freaks us out. So we don't, we don't share. But so often God will utilize this very thing, this very building mentality for believers and unbelievers alike. So if we want to be builders in the kingdom, I want to bless Rebecca with words of encouragement, life-giving words over her identity and her destiny and who she is as a person, as a sister in Christ, as a mother. So God, I'm going to be praying for her. And if I get a good word, let me go share it with her. Let me encourage her. That's not hard. It's also not hard to do it with an unbeliever. You don't have to grab your Bible and thump them with the Bible. I, 
I do this. I do, I've done this in Noodles and Company a couple times. I don't know if like there's an open heaven over Noodles and Company or what, but I'll get downloads for people in Noodles and Company, and I'm like, seriously, right now? Okay, here we go. And I'll walk up, and it's a young lady. So it's usually a young lady, and God will tell her, tell me to tell her, tell her she's beautiful. And I'll, oh gosh, I'm usually like ready to catch, because I'll tell, I'll tell them. And they usually melt and weep all over me. And I'm like, oh, God, okay. God, I just, I felt like the Lord was telling me to tell you that. Thank you so much. Unbeliever, believer, I don't know. But building the kingdom of God. It's not always about having that right scripture in your back pocket with an unbeliever. Sometimes, God, who do you say that they are? And when you're ministering that to them, they're seeing the kingdom of God at work in you. You're transformed from the inside out. And it's, it's leaking out of you. What fills into you is going to come out of you. So let's fix this. Pure reservoir, that container. So our heart acts like a reservoir. What goes in will come out. So what are you feeding it? What are you putting into that? If you want to control your words, then you must control what fills your heart. It's like that if-then statement. If you want to control what comes out of your mouth, your words, then you must control what goes into your heart. And I cannot overemphasize learning how to study the Bible. Bible studies, Bible helps, um, I don't need to get into like the, the in-depth stuff, but like any good old school teacher, I have homework for you. I went whiteboard and homework for you. Woohoo! So you can call these battle scriptures. You can call these, you can call them whatever you want, but they're just good life-giving and empowering scriptures. So what you can do with this, and I, I would, I think it's, probably a good practice. Take this and don't, don't study off of this. This is a resource for you to take home and get started. So take the scripture, open up your physical Bible, not your phone, not your, not your phone. I want you to, the paper one, it shouldn't be crispy. Like open it, fan it out a little bit, get a highlighter, get a, get a pen, get ready to mark your Bible up and read the scripture. Read through it. Read it aloud. There's, oh, power in our words. <gasps> so when we're speaking those words out, what does it do? It starts to change the way we think, starts to then change what we say, and then it changes what we think, and it changes what we say. It becomes transformative in our lives. So I've given you a list of some really good ones. I gave you some longer ones. I gave you some shorter ones to try out. And then there is a very simple Bible study method from Wayne Cordero. 
Um, he has a church out in Hawaii. It's called the SOAP Method of Study. I know there's the exegesis of scripture. You can do topical studies. You can do the inductive studies. I'm not going to get into that tonight. We can get into that further later. Um, but getting started, memorizing scripture. If this gets in there, scripture memorized, it's going to start coming out of you. Pastor Joe is the best at this I've ever seen. And you want to know why? Is it easy for him? No. He makes a discipline out of it. He always is memorizing scripture. So when he is leading worship, when he's praying with someone, when he's preaching, the word of God literally leaps out of him. And it's funny because I'll be sitting in the back going, whoa, okay, that was Habakkuk. Oh, that was John. Okay, and I'm watching the way the spirit of God is linking these verses. And all of a sudden I'm going, I don't think there was a single word of Joe in there. It was all God linked together through scripture. He's good at it because he's intentional with it. He memorizes scripture. Best I've ever seen. So, soap method. I'm going to make it quick because I don't, it's, it's a whole study on, in and of itself. It's in an acronym. Scripture. Observation. Application and prayer. A study like that could take you 10 to 15 minutes, maybe. You could make it longer. But what you would do is you would take that scripture, and I write it down in my journal, and then I would observe the scripture. Okay, what is the scripture saying to me? So, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So my observation, okay, God, you're my source, so will you do this work in me? So maybe I don't have a pure heart right now, and I, God, I want you to create that pure heart. Maybe I feel a little bit broken. God, take my broken heart and make it a pure heart. Exchange, exchange my, my broken heart for a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Yeah, God, I'm a little bit tired. Renew that in me. Make it new again. So see, I just, it's almost like I'm just rephrasing and making observations of it. You can bullet point it. You can, you can do it however you want. Then application. So how would that apply to me? I mean, I kind, I kind of worked application into that process right there, but I might make more points on it. Okay, so apply this to my life. And then prayer. I would write out a prayer. God, please Help me to walk this out, to become this, to do this. Write out that prayer. You have a very simple Bible study. You have just ingested, chewed up, digested, and nourished yourself off of the word. Making God's word accessible to you. You know, so often I, th I think when, when people start to study scripture, they, they want to start in Genesis and work their way to Revelation, which is not even in chronological order unless you get a chronological Bible. But there are better strategies in studying Scripture. Um, so we think about it. We're like, okay, I'm going to get in 15 minutes of study. And it sometimes isn't quality. It can be 
more effective for you to take one or two scriptures and do this method than trying to just read your way through the Bible in a year. Oh, you know what? I'm going to do it faster than that. I'm going to be faster. No, be better. Have more quality time in scripture. Then it stops becoming a chore and you start falling in love with God's written word, God's love letter to you. It stops becoming print on a page and archaic language and you start understanding what God's saying to you. It leaps off the page into you. Can you tell I love studying scripture? Ooh, I'm such a nerd. I love it. And on the back of this, I wasn't going to do all the work for you. So I gave you four scriptures, battle verses to look up for yourself. Get into the word. Remember, I'm using Pastor Joe as an example. He's good at it, not because it comes easy for him, but because he made it a value in his life and he is incredibly intentional with it. I mean, he, but by rote, he can, you could probably shoot a verse at him. He'd go, um, he could, if you ask him the address, he could tell you what the verse is. And if you tell him a verse, he'll go, oh, that's located here. He is, he is really, really good. So, the key to becoming builders with our words is not about willpowering what we say. It's about filling up on the right stuff. And that's why I'm sending you home with this homework. Because filling up on God's word is going to come out of you. You're going to start blessing yourself. And then you can bless others. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, thank you so much for your word, your will, your ways, your love. That's all I got, God. Just to rest in your presence and your peace. Hmm. God, I pray that you would speak to every single one of these people because they don't need to hear it from my mouth. God, I pray that they would hear your voice. God, open up their ears to hear you and open up their hearts to receive and perceive the things that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In fact, you can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me if you haven't already done so. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the Lord and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And thank you, God, for that fact. I ask that you now be my savior to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. If you prayed this prayer for the first time or if you need prayer for any reason, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or on the web at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. 
Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.